how has marketing changed and how is it continuing to change as we move forward? The way you interact and engage with your target audience is getting new customers to raise their hand and seek you out. Now, in this podcast, Josh Barsley, owner of Avalanche Marketing, is going to share modern day changes in marketing to maximize engagement. Let's do this. So, Josh Barsley, here to talk about marketing. I am. Uh, first question, what on earth is raise your hand marketing? Interesting concept. Um, I actually didn't come up with the name. It was done by your close friend, Bradley Chase. Yes. <laughs> he came up in the last podcast a lot as well. Which, um, it, it, we, we kind of been doing it for a while anyway. It's been something that has um, been part of my kind of marketing philosophy ever since I started. Like, you know, at the beginning, um, nearly 10 years ago, you know, conversational marketing wasn't really done online um, I've always been of the opinion that most people is that what it is conversational yeah. marketing most people have anything that they've had in their life success or even failures to be honest um, has come from a door being opened um, and typically someone else is behind that door if you think about any situation in your life most of the good things something has happened because someone has been there opening a door so why not why aren't we opening as many doors as possible and that was always the thought process is how do we have so much more conversations so that we have so many more doors opening which lead to so many more of these amazing moments and um that became the philosophy and in reality that's what raise your hand is we're using something that um people really want and really need to for them to raise their hand to have a conversation that's interesting because i did hear brad talk about everyone's heard of classic conversion rate yeah but he yes. does talk about conversation rate yeah so is that the goal of raise your hand marketing yeah so if you think about marketing as a kind of uh, what's your outcome the generation outcome is typically a lead. You know, that, that unfortunately is not a controllable outcome in reality. It's like one of these things where you know, it's semi-controllable. Think People think about their click-throughs and all this sorts of stuff in marketing. But you know what I know I can control in, in reality is how many people I talk to. I can, in a way, control that. Yeah. So the step behind a lead is what is my, how many conversations am I having? So we, instead of measuring all the marketing activity to lead, we measure it to the number of conversations and then typically there's a conversation to lead conversion rate which makes everything a lot simpler so we know that our conversation rate on each platform is x and we know that if we have this many conversations we're going to generate a lead um and i can control the number of conversations i have do you think all small businesses should be measuring the number of conversations that marketing is generated? one million percent if i if i if you ask the small business and you say look okay you know you're not happy with your marketing you're not happy with your money you're not happy with you know the business how many people did you have a conversation with last month they're pretty much not going to be able to tell you that number um and it's what excites me is if they figure that number out and they is the conversation an online conversation two-way text, text text or two-way conversation oh so it can yeah, be, be physical reply. could be reply could be a, we, we, we we measure conversations in the way of two-way so that's this two-way two-way communication so person to person person to person that could be on any social media platform that could be on the phone, it could be on text, it could be in on in in the shop, it could be in the bold call, it could be whatever. It's two way conversation, and you'd be surprised about how many people you actually do talk to. Um, and when you actually start thinking about how many of those conversations have I not utilised in the right way with my questions, I wonder if um, there's two layers in this. So there's human to human conversation, correct? Which which could be could be you know social post comment below or someone puts a comment and then you reply to the comment there's a there's a human to human conversation happening there yes, yes is that would exactly. that be yeah that's a two-way comms is there such thing as because of ai robots mm. is there a robot to human conversation happening we is that a different conversation yeah i think i'm hoping that we keep some of the human element to business right but there is going to be a place for generating um, at yeah. least generating appointments and generating communication via AI. Um, it's inevitable. But I think a lot of business is still done. Uh, we work in a space where you know, my relationships matter and I get most of my success from the people I know. It's always always been who you know. Um, who not so how? How many people can I go and know? <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that's, but that, that's, a, that's a good mindset to have, isn't it? Who do I know that can help me or how am I going to do that? Who's who's opening you doors know, for me? Who's opening doors for me? Correct. Who can open these doors for me? Correct. One more of that. 
But that's a good point, isn't it? The question to ask for anyone who's listening right now is think of an objective that you've got and then, uh, then do that test. Who do you know that can open a door for you? Correct. And how many people did you have a conversation with last week? I measured that number. And then you'd be surprised. If it's 70, go talk to 80, see what happens. Like, it's an easy metric to monitor. It's an easy metric to increase. It's an easy metric for you to control. Um, with any strategy, I can control that number. I can, if I really, really want to, James, I can go out tomorrow and talk to 20 people if I really, really want to. Now, people, some people are lazy or whatever, but it is a metric that I can actually make happen. I, you know, I can't just, just pray that I'm going to generate five leads tomorrow, but I can absolutely 100% certainly go and talk to 20 people. Well, you can initiate the conversation. Might, they reply. Might, I mean, look, bro, there's not going to be 100% conversion rate to lead from that conversation. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot going on, especially with the marketing gurus out there. That yeah. I think Brad came up with this name, or you or Brad came up with this name, raise your hand. And, you know, it's reply yes below or reply more info. The, ra the raise your hand concept is, is just about saying, okay, like with a lot of businesses, they are marketing their service, right? So, you know, the marketing... You know, let's say I'm a hairdresser and a marketing color, hair color. The problem with that is I'm just putting out my ads and I'm saying, okay, hopefully this ad is going to capture one or 10 out of a thousand people that are thinking in this moment about hair color, right? I'm just betting on a small percentage that might need this right now. And that's unfortunately just too narrow. What Raise Your Hand Marketing says is, okay, let's take that and go a step back. What do we know works in the industry? We know conversations work. So what does everyone want? Okay. Everyone wants to feel good. Everyone wants to feel better. Everyone wants to feel like they've been pampered. And everyone wants them to be free. So hair salon, why don't you just say to this market, who would like a free blow dry? So we figured out blow dry costs six pounds to do. We put the ad out, free blow dries. It goes mental because people are getting free blow dries. And what have I just bought? I've bought seat time for that hair salon to have conversations with those people. And then they book like 60, 70% in. So what we're using is an offer that everyone needs to generate a conversation. We're giving it away. And that's where the whole like comment below comes in. You, you post your offer that you know everyone's going to want. They then say, yes, I'll have it. And then you've initiated at least the, the conversation. So Guaranteed, everybody listening to this right now has experienced exactly what you just said somewhere, haven't they? Of course. course why not, right? <laughs> why, why is this method of marketing superior to all others then? It's because it's... I, 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 what I don't like about marketing in general is that I don't like hope. I find hope's a dangerous tool and I feel like, you know, you can't, a lot of, if I look at most marketing plans or most business plans or most, you know, let's say a one year plan, uh, for most people listening who've written financial plans and business plans, I know most of you will have gone through the situation where that plan just didn't quite happen or those numbers are a bit over-egged and, and it's a shame because I feel like what the only thing stopping that usually is growth. We talk about raise your hand marketing, but we, we also say that in order to do this properly, you need to make sure your delivery is on point and your customer experience is on point because what you don't want to do is generate conversations and then lose people where they actually initiate business with you. Happens. But what the raise your hand marketing will do is just make sure that your business is constantly networking and you can control your growth. So if you say, you know, you can work out, once you've got your measurements in place, you can work out how many conversations you'll need this year to hit that number based on your past year's conversion rates, which to me is exciting because I know I can control that. Interesting. I mean, I wonder if this is a way, because you know, for field sales, I mean, they're targeted on direct conversations where they, you know, either going to networking events and having a conversation with someone or to the point where some field sales reps that are probably listening to this right now, they, they literally go to business parks and go and sell those people and not have conversations. And that's a direct way of doing it, yeah? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if this is the way of doing it online. Yeah, I mean, we put, at the, the company that we run is pretty much that. It's, it's online conversation generation. So most people just don't have the time because it takes a lot of time. But yes, you can do it on all these platforms. There are so many ways where you can have that one-to-one -one communication or that one-to-many communication where you can put an offer in front of someone that you know they need and in return you will generate a conversation now it doesn't need to be completely giving but it is a one-to-many it is a one-to-many to start with isn't it you're putting your message out to many yeah you're waiting for someone to correct you are doing well you either going you're either putting the offer in front of someone one-to-one by -one, the many many messaging opportunities we have in social media or you're putting it one-to-many within uh, a post or an ad or email campaign or whatever. 
uh, and you're tracking kind of the engagement rate from that. And obviously, if you're not getting any responses, to, typically these responses to these offers you put out are very high compared to like, would you like to buy my stuff? They're very high. We see about six or seven times the response rate, which is an opportunity for me, in my opinion, because you can you can have a conversation, so you're more likely to um, build a relationship. But obviously, if it's not doing that, you're probably just not doing it big enough. Is off. this dependent on relationship skills? Yes. Is all sales dependent on relationship? 100%. I think that you're... Now, some people will disagree, but I think that your success is probably a direct reflection of your ability to cultivate relationships. I think most people's success nowadays, especially with the way that business is, there's a huge gap between small business and massive business. What is marketing excellence? What is excellence in marketing? Consistency of? Consistency of whatever you're doing. Um, well, let's say marketing excellency. So what, the, the operational side of it is consistency, making sure that it is predictable. Um, and that you are, you are actively uh, communicating as much as possible. Consistency, uh, predictable, and regularity in communication. Correct. But also, I think it's faith in your in what you do. So, diving into your products and service, or saying like, okay, what what is an element of what I do that people absolutely need? You know, they might not need to buy from me yet, but there's something that I have expertise in that they need right now. Figure out what that is and give it away. That's my opinion. Yeah, look, consistency comes up a lot, doesn't it? Especially when we talk about this subject, most marketing doesn't work. It's quite well put out there. Most marketing doesn't work, and the best marketing is consistent marketing. Yes. So are people beginning to be more consistent? Because as I, I do see a lot on social platforms, but people are consistently there on social platforms. Yeah, I think it's the narrative in the last year or two has changed dramatically. There's a lot less... How has it changed? I just hear the language better. Like the language coming out of most people... Um, a lot of people now is 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 in line with this. I think people are starting to realize that people d do still buy from people. Yeah, it's not as easy. Like there was a time where everyone thought it was just stick a product online and it would sell. I think that is it still happens. But most of the guys that I'm seeing, like on TikTok or whatever, now they're having a conversation with their audience to sell their product. Yeah, you know, they're they're, they're doing the lives, they're doing the communication, they're doing the post. All those things are in a way a conversation with your audience. Um, and the views you're getting and the, the, the engagement you're getting is you are just communicating one to many. When you said language has changed, what did you mean specifically? Well, I like hearing the word raise your hand a lot. That's fuzz. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, your your but mind is set to hear that. Um, yeah, of course. Um, no, but the, the, the language is changing in the terms of people are more focused on um, actually communicating. Um, so they're saying, you know, my relationships, I heard the word relationships come up a lot more. Um, I'm hearing the word repeat customers coming up a lot, which makes a lot of sense to me because that's based on your relationships. Yep. I feel like, um, in a way, the service um, side of things, I think people are starting to get a lot more clued up the fact that if they don't do a good job, people will just not do business with them. And its reputation takes five minutes to burn, 20 careers to create. Um, Tell us more about that. 20 careers to create and well, no, five minutes to burn. It's just... One Buffett says that it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to lose it. Um, and I am a huge believer in that. And every business we go into typically screwed up something in terms of reputation. Uh, most of the businesses that we've you know been involved with or bought or whatever, like I tell you what, turning your reputation around is rough. But once you get it done and you've kind of built that faith, it's like that's your that's my priority from here on out. My reputation. Um, Have you experienced that? Yes, one hundred percent. What happened? Um, various things. You know, I think it all comes down typically to delivery marketing before delivery i think it comes down to you know people want to grow very quickly um and i've been involved in various situations where it's easy to market but when you are not when, when something else is going wrong beyond the initial transaction it it's it's not it's not pleasant so there's a lot of people out there that will be marketing way too way before delivery mastery is complete or the after sales or the actual whole production is complete and that is the number one killer of reputations um yeah, it takes, experience takes a long time to rebuild that um and yeah we've been lucky enough to have amazing people working with us in, in those situations where i've either gone in to turn it around or it's happened to us via you know mistakes it's gonna happen sometimes the 
I've been lucky enough to experience that and the turnarounds creates an opportunity, but it's, I wouldn't want to do it again. I like, I like having a good reputation. Yeah. Well, he's <laughs> it's a really important share actually. Yeah. Marketing before getting your delivery sorted out doesn't work. Is that the over promise under deliver concept? Yeah. I mean, look, over promise and deliver is always going to happen because, um, you know, Why? because people, the expectation is not everyone's got the same expectation. I think it's, it, let's say it's, let's say it's not always going to happen, but it's, it's going to happen to an extent. Um, you can't control everything, but what you can control is making sure that your communication is super clear. Um, and that you have the, the ability to do what you said, and, and that might be things like delivery times or shipping times or... What, what, what are the keys yeah. to communication? Regularity, uh, transparency, um, and I think understanding again, because you, you are marketing still, like is, is, I can't remember who said it, but marketing is every single touch you have with everyone that ever touches your organization or something like that. I read that in a book. Um, so those customers are still, you're still marketing to them. So you should be having those conversations. You should be, um, being transparent, but you need to understand what it, what do they want? Like I've had customer experiences in the past where I've gone at them with, with, um, numbers and like, you know, success, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't, they don't really want that. <laughs> That's not what they wanted. How do you find out what they want? Ask them. Right. Well, ask them what the way they want to be communicated. Yeah. Ask them what what it, what is it that you how do you want me to show you um, what it is how, how do you want me to show you yeah what you need. So look regularity. What is regular communication? I think it depends on the business. I think that's something that needs to be determined from daily, weekly. So you know, I would say that some businesses communicate too much, get <laughs> too little. I think it comes Can down you, to your customers. Is, but is there such thing? You know, like a Patrick Lencioni. You know, he, he uses this word over-communicate, yeah? Mm -hmm. And there's quotes online, you know, about the illusion that communication's actually taken place. You think you've said said it and other well, people have heard different things. So, yeah, I mean, can you communicate too much? Uh, I think communication is comes in different ways, though. So it may, may not be just to like a, hey, James, it could be a notification, seeing a little bit of success, or it could be a yeah. little ping. A report, or it could be depends a what you communicate, and then um, on a spreadsheet or something. So making sure that you, they're aware, they're seeing progression. I think a human, um, I think as a humans, we're actually addicted to progression. I think people talk about success. Um, I know I am uh, personally. Like I know that if I'm not progressing, I, that that gives me issues. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, looking, yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like. If something's not right. It's, it's quite well, interesting, isn't it? I think we're interested, addicted to progression. I think we are addicted to progression. If it's not, if we're not progressing, we don't feel that we're successful. Well, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're self-reflecting as you're saying that. Yeah. So, so you said regularity and transparency, and then you went on to say communication is about what they want, communicate in a way that they want it. What's transparency? Honesty. I think that. Being, being in business, I know that for sure when I was younger and like coming up through business, I would always try and control a situation. Um, so always try and make sure that the customer or, or the team member has like, is, is, feels all right. There's nothing, they don't see any bad stuff. When in reality, what happened then is that they just, they just thought I was trying to over communicate around them. I wasn't giving them the truth. I wasn't doing these things. So I just, I'm a big fan of the whole brutal transparency numbers are is what it is what it is or you know this this situation is and i'm not going to tell you this product's been shipped when it hasn't that happens a lot there is an <laughs> avoidance isn't there oh, you know avoidance. you say oh i know something bad's happened i'm not gonna i'm not gonna communicate yeah. what's that confrontation avoidance yeah it's a huge thing and i think that again is one of the key factors in your reputation like you know don't don't avoid confrontation because i'd say in 99 times out of 100 of confrontations I've eventually done, I've been shocked at how fine it was. Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, I think that's marketing. I think that's reputation development. Um, and very interesting. So, I mean, one thing that you said how marketing has changed is that people are using better language. Is there anything else as how it's changed? Well, the, the, obviously the way that... No, I... I Marketing for me has always been about target offer copy, right? It's always been about 
someone accepting an offer that a business has put out, that is it. It doesn't matter what platform you use. I am of the opinion that a marketing strategy as a whole is a target, an offer and a copy, a platform and a distribution, the number of amount of people that you distribute it to. The platforms, you can't physically change them. I can't change Facebook, I'm not rich enough. I can change the amount of distribution I do, but the only real thing I can focus on as a marketing person is what my target offer and my copy is. And in reality, it's not changed ever. It's just the uh, types of platform that we use have changed. So, you know, back in the day, you could use Yellow Pages to drop a sales offer because you were- Is that where people are getting it wrong with the offer? Yeah, that is completely where they're getting it wrong. They're, they're offering something that they think people want, but they don't know people want, or it's way too, way too far down the lead chain. So like if I'm- Too, too early. Too early. It's get, way, way, way too early. Never get married in 10 days. Never get married on the first date. So people are putting marriage proposals out on the first uh, on the first date, the first even right. opportunity to... Yeah, to I've, I've heard that for a number of years as well. Yeah. I, you know, I get the point. So, But I, I quite like this accepting an offer thing. So yes. everything's dependent on the offer. So what constitutes an amazing offer? Um. I think it has to, when, we, when we, we work in this place where typically our clients or the businesses that we work in have a very specific target location, right? So that could be a kitchen company that has covers the city, or it could be a painting decorator that covers the city, or it could be a coach who covers a very small territory. So those, they have to be, and they have a specific target audience in there that is of a certain size that we have to be very careful with, typically. So you need to make sure that what you're putting out as an offer to initiate that initial conversation is something that you know every, a large percentage is going to want and need right now. Because most of the time, if I just put out, you know, do you want a kitchen? You know, I'm not sure one of the 5,000 people in my network or how many of the 5,000 people are going like, to jump up straight away. Yeah, I want a kitchen. we've got to influence them first. We have to we influence them. So we would swap, switch the offer to something a little bit more like a first date. Um, you know, build some value. Think about what they really, really want. Yeah, we did collaborations with the likes of Smeg um, to give away appliances, to do competitions, to do uh, you know little little bits, little giveaways, little classes, things like that. Where we know someone is, you know, a larger percentage of the audience right now are going to want to do a cooking class versus buy a kitchen. But we know the eventual situation is going to be they're going to want to buy a kitchen. But I can have a conversation with a hundred of them instead of two or three. Is that why people have pre? Previously used polls, and by the way, I've not seen as many of them recently as, as what I was seeing a year ago. Yeah, but you can ask a question on a poll, can't you, and do a little bit of research. I think I think um, your offer has to be stronger now because people are so inundated. I work in the US a lot, and I tell you what, if we end up like that market, it's going to be going to be hard because they're they're, they're marketed that twenty four hours a day. Like they are, there's, there's constantly a something in front of them. So your offer in America has to be very strong. The way that you communicate has to be very strong. In the UK, it's a little bit, we're a little bit behind that. Um, but yeah, the, the offer has, the offer has changed. So just putting an offer out of a poll, you are, you know, is that it's probably not as interesting. Actually, that's pre-offer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, community engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, is community engagement and research. People still respond well, well to direct research inquiries so like if i'm asking a specific question to someone directly and i utilize yeah we, we mentioned i talked to you before about the um uh, egos is often looked at as a negative word i don't think it is because i think everyone has a level of ego on a one right. to ten scale right i know everyone has some so that for me is i know everyone has it so i know i can play with that so the ego side of things if i if i was to mess with someone or communicate with them and say look you have been in this industry for a long time. Can I borrow your expertise for two seconds to just let me know on this question? That's going to give them a little... Yeah, got it. Massage the ego. And that's right. Play. So I, in B2B, I love the ego because I know for a fact that maybe 2% want my service right now, but I know 100% has the ego. So if I could play with that, Interesting. I, can, I can make sure that I get results. Yeah, they, they do reckon that all human beings have two... So unmet needs at all time. They need to be admired and they need to feel understood. Exactly. So that kind of plays to that a little bit, doesn't and we, it? We pulled into the book, we pulled two. It was the need to exposure, which is your need to be admired, the need to be 
feel like relevant yeah and the ego side which is as you said they need they need to be understood they need to be communicated so that that in, in the book rage how marketing we specifically talk especially on the b2b side um about ego and exposure as the kind of so what are the positive sides of ego I think it's often looked at as a negative word. I, I think I think you can be egotistical. I think you can be on the the, the, the far end, and you, you run into those. They will tell you, you know, if you launch up, let's say, if you're doing a podcast or interview series, and I message a very egotistical person, they'll come back and say, "Yeah, I charge five thousand dollars for ten minutes." Love it. You're like, "Nah, Joe, you know I don't think I think you're too far up the spectrum." But most people just don't, and I, I find that maybe ego is the wrong word, but the the the, the feeling of being successful. Um, People want to feel successful. They want to feel credible. accomplished. They want to feel credible. And I feel like if my marketing can help them feel that way and I get a conversation in return, then I've done a job and it's going to be a positive relationship opportunity. That's where that comes. It's not negative. It's just a fulfillment of yeah. need. Got it. Yeah. So look, social media as we know it has changed, is changing this I mean, there's threads that are coming out now as well, Instagram threads. What's the key to being successful on social platforms? Yeah, what's, what's the goal? Like, I guess people, you know, from a business Good perspective, um, is my goal to be famous? Is my goal to have to generate leads? I think it was a good book. Uh, I can't remember the chap's name who said that you know, you don't need to be have a hundred million followers to to be successful in business. You need to have you need to be famous within the five thousand or something like that. Uh, I forgot his name, but we'll have to find that out. Um, but being famous within I've a, got it. It's on the tip of my tongue as well. Being read the famous book. within a five thousand within your five thousand people your industry um, is where it, the importance lies. So for me, if I was a um, you know a building firm. And I wanted to, you know, communicate with uh, other home builders and things like that. My job would be to make sure that everyone of those guys knows me. So a lot of my social media posts would be focused on that. Be focused on giving them value. Be focused on educating them. That kind of stuff. And you know, it could be that your your pool of who you need to be famous to is only 100 people. So it's like when you're doing social media, you should think, okay, is my goal to be Kim Kardashian? Probably not. But my goal is to generate business from this. So who do I need to be famous to? And being famous as a definition is just that person knowing who you are. Yes. So you could be famous to one person, you're famous. Who needs to know who I am? Your target audience or the people that you want to do business with. Yeah. You need to be famous to your business, to your target audience. If you can be famous to them, which could be 10 people, it could be 100 people, it could be 1,000 people, you've done your job, you're famous. Yeah, well, certainly you don't want to be invisible to them, do you? No. But technically, if we look at the definition of fame, it's probably somewhere around that. It's who knows me, right? So who needs to know you, I think, is the way to take social media on. All right, so there's quite an interesting answer to that. So the key to being successful on social platforms is know your goal, then know who needs to know you. Correct. And then find a way that you can educate them, give them enough value that they re they trust you. So obviously, um, Guerrilla Marketing... Use education to create trust. Yeah. Guerrilla Marketing talks about, what, 17 touches or something before um, someone trusts the brand. Obviously, as we see with the likes of the big brands, they're on probably touch 58,000. So, but you as a beginning in businesses, you need to touch them regularly. So, the, but the, the key point to that touch point process, especially in the beginning is, I don't want to be selling. I am, um, as Gary Vaynerchuk would say, I'm jabbing. He's jab, 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 jab. And then the opportunity will come for that right hook, but it's, you know, the time will show itself. Yeah, look, a recent learning I have from Gary Vaynerchuk, quite interesting, is because he's very dominant on social platforms. Yeah, yes. incredible. And he, he he basically he doesn't he doesn't choose to be famous on a platform. He just follows where people go. That's what he says. He's a fluid chap, for sure. He's he's he wants to be famous from a social media platform. Um, I guess knowledge of knowledge point of view he's picked a big audience there and he's pulled it off but he mm. but he does say look wherever people go i'll i'll go yeah he's pulled it off for sure he's doing a good job and, and, and i remember watching gary vaynerchuk back in 2012 2013 we talked about snapchat we talked yeah. about you know all the various different um the platforms then and, and and even youtube coming up through that um his 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 opinion's always been the same as well it's it's value 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 um, know your audience, make sure your value is catered towards what that audience needs. Um, 
and be consistent. What are people doing wrong on social platforms or in any form of marketing? Trying to get married. Too early. Too That's early. Very Most of the time. If, you, if I was to look at any company we brought up on here and said, you know, like, let's have a look at the last, let's have a look at all your marketing strategies. Um, I would bet that 78% of them are too soon, too fast. Uh, and the, the job is, the outcome that they want is how many leads am I generating this month? Or how many sales have I made? Not how many relationships am I building? Um, the, the, the wonderful thing of seeing this is, is the wonderful thing we've seen with people that we work with is when they actually do start changing that narrative, nothing really happens with their sales because they're just, they're just thinking about a different metric. In fact, they often sell more. But the relationships they end up building just because that is their focal point means that in down, six months down the line, they, they're doing too much business. They've got so much business. They can't, uh, we, had a, we had a company uh, yesterday, a microphone uh, company out of America who just said like, yeah, six months after this, I, I literally, we, have, we cannot fulfill our order book anymore because we've just talked to everyone. Universities, colleges, um, you know, sports teams, all this stuff. And they're just like, now, now they're all finally like, can I have this now? Or like, I've got this problem. Can you help me? Because they know I've got an expertise. Is that I'm full? Can't do anymore. I can't. I physically have, can't do any more orders. It's like that took a while of relationship building, but once you've got that, I think Brad. Brad talks about is it the number three hundred, three hundred active relationships? That sounds sounds like a lot. He said that number, and I was like, whoa! I don't think I've got that many, but you know, we'll get there one day. Like three hundred active relationships. Or- nice challenge doors opening or you know people know your expertise they'll come to you for questions blah 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 and if you have that then does that scare much. people do you think i don't know i've not quite used the word 300 as of yet but i love the idea of that well, like cultivating and measuring measuring my 300 relationships so um makes sense like you know yeah i wonder if that does scare people that number because as soon as you said it i'm computing it but i'm actually thinking yeah that would give me an extreme level of confidence. If I've got 300 doors that are open, 300 relationships that I'm planting seeds with and well, I'm touching developing. Here and there. So my, my marketing plans actually just communicate with my relationships and yeah. the ones that I need. You know, like this person's friend needs help. How would, how would someone go about sort of farming that 300? Very, I think that's the easiest part. I think, the, I think generating conversations is actually very simple. I think that... So that's the initial goal, to generate 300 conversations. First of all, like, take stock of your relationships. Okay, who do I know? What do I need? Okay, I want to grow. Great. Okay, so what do we need? New customers? Fine. So first of all is, okay, how, how, what, is in, what is a much, much easier way for me to generate conversations with that customer base? Uh, who do I need to be famous to? What can I do to do that? I think coming up with those types of offers is relatively simple. Um, as I just said about the hair salon, they wanted to do colour. So instead, they just gave away seat time and gave away a blow dryer, which cost them six six pounds or whatever. But they bought seat time. And I think there's ways businesses can do that. You don't have to necessarily give stuff away. I know some people don't like that, but, you know, I like that. It does it does do the job. Um, and just start communicating with people. I think that's the key thing. Over time, I mean, I deal with some of the action coach team and, and, and there, some of those guys have got the mindset of, I'm going to talk to everyone because I don't know who they know. And the whole who do you know who question comes up a lot as well. So in my opinion, I would be, if I was a business owner, I would be talking to everyone in my target audience. I would figure out a way to talk to everyone. Once I figured that out, I make sure the ones that I really want to build a relationship are my priority and focus on that. Um, You'll grow. All about conversations and all about communication. Yeah, all about tagging. By exceptional service and, you know, on point. <laughs> on point, everything else don't yeah. screw up <laughs> in other places. You did say, you know, that for the for the biggest m- mistake out there, it's over-promise, deli- o- over under-deliver, yeah? Yeah. And I think it's it's often an opportunity for everyone. I think everyone has to go through that in their lives and, um, you know, go through the the pain of, of under-delivery and, you know, businesses do all the time, you know? Besides getting married too early... Mm. what other immediate things can people do to start improving the marketing just I think I think people have an addiction to make again like an addiction to making sure that to activity I think that there's a lot of um, concern that needs to be in everything um, I would say just take a look at what the platforms are doing absolute best at the moment and if you don't know that you really really should choose your platform choose your platform 
and get strong at those few areas. And you know, we, we, we looked at marketing plans. I am a full believer in the whole 10 by 10 thing. Like, you know, have 10 strategies that work, but in the beginning you need a couple. Um, I'm also a full believer in the 80, 20 rule, you know, like exactly think about that for a second. Exactly. All right. So we've got all these social platforms. Choose your platform, right? You're probably getting 80% of your results from one of these platforms. Which one? Right. And you probably, there's 80% of, uh, tw or 20% of uh, something that you're doing in there is generating most of the result. What's, what you, so becoming really focused on the platform that delivers the most is... Exactly. And then understand, okay, what is it on that platform that's delivering me the most? Is it my offer? The amount of times, James, that I look at marketing plans and they're using all these platforms and like i said the platform really you can't change it but then on each platform they've got a different offer it's astounding you know <laughs> i'd say find out what offers working best what you get the most engagement from make sure that's across all the platforms first and then choose your best platform um you know you don't need a new offer for every platform you know that's that happens an awful lot you know they think that it just because i need to change the copy or the look of my ad i need to change the whole bloody offer like you can repeat it you can <laughs> reuse it yeah yeah um what about omni-channel marketing then you know like getting all of the channels connected i i'm full believer in that i think that touch points well the way that again like i said where we are in b2b which is heavily relationship focused my need to be touching people from every angle so you know with most of these channels they're not like 24 7 in some is that a contradiction though focusing on well, it depends where you are in the process. Obviously, if you're, you know, if we're running a campaign, we've got, you know, five or six platforms, you know, touching base, or we're used to we're hopping between email, phone, giving someone a conversation with. That that makes sense because we know what we're doing. But it the 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 touch points that you are making with someone, where it comes back down to. I am not on LinkedIn all day. Most of the time on LinkedIn, it's like a feed right so or a, or a notification the notification's key if you miss the notification you are either the diminishing effect i don't know what the exact number is that if they don't pick it up on the notification it's massively diminished um the key thing is that you need to make sure you you have optimal chances of catching their attention if you what we realize is that especially with our business spotlight offer we realize that a lot of the time we're putting the offer out, they don't see it they just haven't seen it and we measured that once we found out how many times what the conversion was once we saw it, it was like 50%. So we know that's a really good offer, but just we're dealing with the fact that people are busy. So the omni-channel piece is really important because you're just minimizing your chances that someone's going to miss it. Um, which also then comes down to the copy, which the copy is too aggressive. You know, not presented in the right way. It doesn't come with the right offer. You, get, you do catch the attention, you're going to get a no, and then the rest of your channels collapse. From that offer perspective, you have to kind of go in in slightly different approach with that person again, start communicating value again. Um, again, that's saying. Well, we come right. Let's come right back to the top here, where you started was conversations, increasing the amount of conversations, starting to measure the conversations. Does anything dictate anything that's happening in society right now on? trending right now does it dictate how many conversations i can have or am i in full control of that i think you are in complete control of that i i obviously that comes down to one your motivation um two how busy you are and other things um you know do it but I, 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 i'm just thinking just please, let me reword the question i'm thinking of relevance and you know i've just done an interview with someone on sustainability which is mm -hmm. obviously hugely yeah you know, it's out there right now and it's hugely relevant to all of society. And does stuff like that dictate how many conversations you had if you're if you're aligned to it? If you if that's part of your messaging? Maybe. I think again it I think it will come back down to always does this person have I measured my have I judged my need the needs properly? Um, and if that need, if the trending, whatever happens in the world, we need to be taken into account on that, then absolutely, you know, uh, you could utilize trends to your, to your benefit. You know, we use, there's a lot of trends at the moment around. Well, Instagram have called their new one trends. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, there's, but they, they, you know, they're obviously analyzing a lot of things that's going well, on. Well, the instantaneous newsfeed is coming back. I don't know if you've seen this, but obviously like, especially with sport and 
news and global events like everyone's on twitter or you know i think they're combating that because twitter's twitter's become a newsroom um but a way for people to interact within the newsroom it's kind of awesome and uh, i think that's where twitter has gone i think facebook's trying to jump on that so you know people are aware of what's going on in the world and obviously if you can lean on that without creating a pr disaster for yourself then do it <laughs> what is pr <laughs> pr is just the perception of people the perception it's your fame level, isn't it, in my opinion? It's your fame to your audience. How famous are you to your audience? Well, and how, public, how are you presented? Public relations to your audience. Yeah. How, how are you presented to that audience um, that you would like to communicate with? It comes back down to that, that well, fame piece. You know, a number of years back, Richard Branson said his number one marketing strategy is PR. Yeah. I mean, it comes and he says it's free. It's in good, you're a different ballgame. So, you know, PR is very much a free situation. If you could solve problems on the stage, you're going to get media attention for it. I had a great podcast the other day with a lady um, called Emma. And this is quite debaucherous, James. But we, she runs a company called Killing Kittens. I won't go into too much detail on that one. But if anyone wants to, you know, Google it, they can. It's a, uh, a sex-positive uh, environment for women. Um, and they grew from PR because they came out with, like, you know, women want sex as well. They want to talk about all this stuff. And immediately the newspapers were like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> hopped on it, huge. So I think if you can solve a problem that people have, and maybe you're I mean, that's what I was about. Yeah, is, I mean, sex sells. Oh my god! Like, yeah, and she's reinventing sex selling because it's now like it's women first. It's it's kind of the naughty side of it. They're combining. Well, you know, the, it's it's awesome. It's female empowerment as well Selfie. for all of the right reasons, which is current, which is a trend, which is okay. accepted in society, which you know for equality reasons. You can't combat it. No one else can combat That's it. So awesome. she, they do she, it she's going with that. But that uh, that current trend on equality is helping push that forward, yeah? Correct. And I see we talked about some of the podcasts is that they've, they're on for a huge run now because of the major trends in inequality and the major trends in more, just having more equal, safe for everyone. So the question is, how can I utilize current trends? I think that you can... Um, I think people shouldn't in this, you know, most bit like small businesses, right? You know, you're not going to change change the trend of the world, right? But you, you, there will be certain things that are going on around. You can ride with it though. Yeah, you can. I think they need to be careful, but um, yeah, opportunity, like be up to date with what's going on, and you know, don't feel right. You're off. That's a really important question. How does one keep up to date with all of the advancements, changes? technology social media ai very difficult it, it's very difficult um i think definitely who you know will help so have someone in those industries or that knows in those industries that you can ask questions to um try not to let it overwhelm you because the astounding point of all these new technologies and things is all we are going to the output is again just going to be conversations like they're only just going to generate conversations in a different way for you in reality. And that at the end of the day, um, I don't think people need to be too concerned with it right away. I think they should learn. I think they should do some, do some good stuff. And if I see if they, if they have the intelligence or they have the team that can be one of the first to these new platforms for their industry then do it. Um, but I feel like a lot of small businesses could miss the opportunity with the current ones. Because again, all we're trying to do here is, generate new relationships and sell i asked you a question earlier on what is marketing excellence and you talked about regularity of communication honesty transparency giving people what they want what's personal excellence routine discipline discipline of trusting yourself i think you know like setting plans and delivering on them um so from a marketing perspective personally i oh I thought you had my personal excellence. Oh, God. That's, yeah, no, you're talking about discipline and, and, and progression. <laughs> discipline, progression, routine. Yeah, routine. That's important to me. What routines have you got that you're most disciplined to? Um, well, having just done the Ironman, I'm definitely on a break from the, the crazy exercise cycles, but I, I like to have um, something I'm working towards. I think there's always got to be a, a... Outside of work. Yeah, and that come for me in work. Discipline-wise, comes down to um, numbers, uh, progression of numbers. You know, and I like to see contr have controllable numbers that 
eventually lead to an outcome, which is typically profit or sales or whatever. But I like to know what my, my controllable numbers are so that I can make an impact on those today. And if I make an impact every day, get 1% better, I know that's going to compound into where I is. So my, my only thought process on that is just understand what the controllable aspects of your job are and how you can impact them like right now. Very nice. Right, I've got some quick questions for you. Sure. We don't run that. I enjoyed that little what, what What is your favorite book? My favorite book is an odd one. It's, uh, and it's obsessive slightly. So it's, it's called Titan. Um, it's it means like strong Titan. Ron Chernow's uh, autobiography of John D. Rockefeller. Now, don't tell me why. They're the business lessons throughout that whole story. I've the best business lessons I've ever had in yeah. life. Yeah, and so it's a 600-page mammoth. I've read it about eight times. But it's it's a story from him being, you know, broke to being worth $400 billion and building the biggest business ever. <laughs> right? So lessons, full of lessons. Nice. Which favorite movie? Oh. Favorite movie? Do you know what, man? I don't know if I, I don't know if I have, but I'll tell you what my favorite movie in the, the, the most recent times was yeah. is that Tetris movie. Have you watched not, it? I have not seen it. No. The building of Tetris, the the game. That's crack played Tetris. Yeah, cracking movie, and it shows how they brought it from Russia, the business deals they were doing, the license. You were too young to play Tetris. I have pl- played it on Game Boy, I think, but definitely not when it first. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, best movie of recent times. But I like movies that depict real life. I think like you can. Yeah, what, his, history. What about your favorite holiday destination? Good lord! Again, um, skiing, mountains. So anywhere where there's snow. I liked your initial response. Good lord! <laughs> <laughs> All right, skiing. Uh, if you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would it be? Um, do I have to be a superhero or not? No. Well, you can be. I'm going to ask you that as well. I was thinking about this. My superpower, right? Like, because obviously, it's, if everyone says a normal superpower, mine superpower would be precision. So if I kick the ball, I know where it's going. Oh, all right. So, so I, can, I can be messy if I want. Well, if, yeah. you, if you're precisioned, you could, could kick the ball in the goal wherever I wanted it. From the halfway line every that time. Would be my, that would be my superpower, is the, the art of pr- absolute precision. Would you, would you be a footballer? I don't know. I don't know yet. We'll have to see. <laughs> It's so much to choose from. So, all right, I like that precision. <laughs> and all right, who would the superhero be? Well, I guess you could do so much good with precision, but you could also also do a lot of uh, football. Um, all right, who would you be? Superman, Iron Man, Spider Iron Man for sure. Iron Man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sure, yeah. All the worst. He's awesome. All right. Are you an early bird or night owl? L- late night owl. Oh, I'm trying to turn that around. To become an early bird, but you know my morning, my morning, uh, my relationship with mornings at the moment. My brain is mental at night, so like by the time I fall asleep, I'm like Christ. I only have like four or five hours left to sleep. So, um, yeah, I'm more of a night owl. Right. Okay. And if you could have one day in someone else's life, who would you choose? Taylor Swift. Why did you choose Taylor Swift? Just seems like she's got a sick life at the moment, man. I don't feel like what pop star is. Yeah. Um, from a business side of she may probably like Warren Buffett or something because yeah. I love him. But um, yeah, I love Taylor Swift, man. I, I love like just trying to say quick pe- answers that people don't usually say. So I'm sure everyone wants to be Taylor Swift for a day. So Warren Buffett or Taylor Swift? Why not? Bit of a bit of a contradictory uh, yeah. type of person. All right. Who have been the three biggest trusted advisors in your life? Um, My dad. Yeah, sure. What did you get from my dad? And just you know, good things and bad things. Um, his you know his career and 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 you know being around as a kid when someone's building a career in quite high high stakes environment is is always interesting to to view. And then obviously his his jump through to action coach and business was definitely like a risk for him, and it was cool being there. Um, so that that was that was that. Obviously, um, seeing also business happening around the house um, from a very young age, it kind of teaches you a bit and like gets the bug. Um, so that would be one. The other one would probably be. I think mean, Brad has turned into a trusted advisor for yeah. me. Um, I think at the beginning he sort of saw me as a spotty little kid who was just annoying him um, <laughs> all the time. But he's kind of. Do you become, still annoy him? 
No, definitely not. Definitely. I think he annoys me more than I annoy him. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's definitely become one. And then uh, the most brutally honest advice I've ever had was to Terry Matthews. Uh, I won a competition when I was in university to go and stay with him for a month. Wow. Um, in his house. Did you stay with Terry Matthews for a month in his house? In his house, yeah. And I've just spent every day with different C- his different CEOs. And it, 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 sitting down for a few hours with him every day was barbaric in terms of like some of the stuff he said was completely loose yeah so he's he's a welsh billionaire correct the first welsh billionaire yeah so owns the celtic manor he does uh that was an experience and a half you know he's very uh very direct extremely extreme to to another extreme and uh you know the persistence persistence was the lesson every day pretty much it was persistence and also that sometimes say things aren't the way they seem you know he mentioned a few startups that had got sold that you know, probably running out of money and that why that's why uh, PR and, and the, your perception to the world, the asset that you're building in terms of your business's trust in the in the, in the workplace and trust in the in the marketplace, that is your asset. So he, he was a great guy um, to work with. If the listeners could do one thing from listening to this, what would, the, what would the, be the first thing that you would recommend? If you're a business owner, the one thing that you could do that would make an immediate impact in terms of your like ability to see would be to go and think about how many conversations you had last week. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. I'd probably say say the same thing. Um, measure the number of conversations. Yeah. Get that number visible. Yeah. Forefront center in your business. Start setting a target. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my favorite part of this conversation has probably been a couple of points. One, when you said addicted to progression. Yeah can see a lot of people at that yeah and that know. causes i have a quite i still have a lot of anxiety i had anxiety when i was a kid and growing up and i think that all of that comes down to progression i think i want to i'm ambitious i want to be progressing i want to see you know that percentage gain a lot of people can relate to that point you did you did say something else about confrontation avoidance as well yeah you know which is common which we've got to overcome yeah, I mean, there's a lot of sis, there's a lot of simple solutions. There's a lot of everything in the world that could have been solved with confrontation immediately. I think the delay in confrontation is what causes the pain. I think in anything, relationships, home, your life, business, that delay in confrontation, that unknown period for either you or that other person, that's what creates the pain. And I know of being in my personal life and being in business, I know that that is where most of my pain and issues have come from. Um, the delay. In conversation because the conversation is going to happen, man. Like, so if I just get it done now, you know. So, well, look, those are my favorite bits. What were your favorite bits from this conversation? Well, I think I think my favorite bits was uh, one diving into some of the nuggets that came out of the conversation around marketing. I think again, just reminding yourself, oh, you know, that, that's really cool, and the and the the touch points and the the becoming famous within your target audience. Um, that's a really really good point to handle. And I I really enjoyed your questions about. Uh, what superhero I want to be. That was fun. Josh Paslett, thank you very much. It's fun.